When Ohio's COVID-19 vaccination rate was plateauing, state officials realized they needed a new incentive. Today could be your lucky day if you've gotten at least one COVID vaccination shot. Officials are trying creative new ways to get the rest of the country into a vaccination center. California's first vaccine lottery drawing takes place tonight. Enter Vax a Million. The winner each Wednesday will receive $1 million. The, the payouts on these lotteries will be gigantic in terms of the return as long as uh, they work and get the state's economies back to normal sooner. I mean, if they can even get back to normal one day sooner. You can say whatever you want about lotteries in general, but this one's different because all it really is is a transfer of money from a set of people who aren't choosing to get vaccinated to a set of people who are choosing to get vaccinated. And that's mm -hmm. exactly the kind of transfer an economist would say you should be doing in this particular setting. In May, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine announced a state lottery to encourage COVID-19 vaccinations. About a dozen states have followed suit. On this episode of The Pie, we'll look at the economics of this strategy. Is this a lottery where everyone wins big? This is the pie. Economists are always talking about the pie. How it grows and shrinks, how it's sliced, who gets the biggest share. In this show, we'll talk about the most pressing matters of the day. And in this episode, we'll take a look at the lottery states are using to incentivize vaccinations. Is this a promising way to boost them? And when it comes to cash prizes, does size matter? I'm Tess Vigland. And I'm Eduardo Porter. We've been invited to have this series of conversations with University of Chicago scholars and other experts. The Pie is a production of the University of Chicago's Becker Friedman Institute and WBEZ Chicago. I talked to Steve Levitt, a distinguished service professor of economics at the University of Chicago, and Jeff Sieverts, the executive director of the Center for Radical Innovation for Social Change at University of Chicago, which was co-founded by Steve Levitt. Back in April of 2020, Steve and Jeff proposed that the federal government use a lottery called Pandamillions to encourage people into weekly COVID-19 testing. While that was a missed opportunity, we can still harness this motivational tool to fight the pandemic. Some states are already on it. So before anything else, I want to let you both know that next time I'm in Chicago, drinks will be on me. Oh, because great. my name is in the hopper for the Oregon vaccine lottery, and I am about to win one million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like a sure thing. <laughs> but have you been vaccinated, Tess? Is the real yes. question. Yes, yes. Can you, you claim the you prize? You cannot be in this lottery without being vaccinated. Did you get vaccinated before or after the lottery was announced? I got vaccinated before, but their rules here in Oregon are that, you know, they have records of everyone who's been vaccinated. And if your name is on that list, you are in the hopper. Mm. Automatically. Don't even have to apply. Automatically. Nope. That's great. Don't even have to apply. So, you know, this certainly doesn't seem like a new concept. Lotteries aren't new. Monetary incentives to change outcomes aren't new. So, Steve, can you kind of give us I suppose, a little behavioral economics 101 here. And what we know about humans and money that tells us that something like this can work in trying to get people vaccinated. Well, we certainly know that humans respond to incentives, as do dogs, rats, everybody. And so it's, it's not a surprise that <laughs> when you pay people or you give them social prestige, people will change their behavior. Now, the tricky thing about 
let me take the Ohio lottery because it's the one I know the most about. The grand prize is a million dollars. There are probably 4 million vaccinated Ohioans in that lottery. So the average payout is 25 cents. Now, if we set this up so that the Ohio officials sent everyone who had gotten vaccinated 25 cents, we would not be talking about this on a podcast right now. No. Lotteries turn out to be an excellent device when the actual amount of payout per person is small compared to what would motivate someone if you just paid it to them directly. And so I think really the brilliance of bringing a lottery to the vaccines is that it focuses the attention both of people who are on the margin for getting the vaccine, but also the amount of media attention that got generated just because it's novel mm. is really the genius of it. And and it's just in, in many ways lucky for the folks in Ohio and some who have followed that people aren't very good at doing math because if they did the math, they wouldn't be very swayed right. by these rules. Right. But in practice, when we look at the data, it looks like people are swayed. You know, I was reading that what spurred the vaccine lottery here in Oregon was a discussion with someone who has studied how to get people to make better long-term personal finance decisions. Mm. And one of the ways to do that is to turn it into a game, like a savings account with prizes. Jeff, is that the same idea at play here? Yeah, it is. I mean, we we as human beings are generally not very good at making decisions for our future selves. And so things like saving money or avoiding that second brownie are things that we just uh, don't always make the best decisions in the moment for because we somehow discount what, uh, what that future self might like. So it is that way in a lot of ways. People who are not getting vaccinated, uh, some have very serious objections and a lottery isn't going to do much for that. But others mm -hmm. are just on the margin. They're not, they're not thinking about it a lot. They're kind of busy. They're just not being as responsible as they should be. And this can give them a little nudge into doing something that's good for them in the same way that a, that a lottery or something like it can nudge people into saving a little bit more money for their retirement, which is something they should do anyway. Right. What's so great about the lottery idea and getting people to do stuff in this setting is that it's really what economists call an externality, mm -hmm. right? When you get vaccinated, part of the benefit goes to you, but much of the benefit accrues to the rest of society. And so from an economic perspective, there's not nearly enough vaccine getting relative to what would be socially optimal. And, you know, you can say whatever you want about lotteries in general, but this one's different because all it really is is a transfer of money from a set of people who aren't choosing to get vaccinated to a set of people who are choosing to get vaccinated. And that's mm -hmm. exactly the kind of transfer an economist would say you should be doing in this particular setting. So who is the target for these lottery efforts? I mean, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but surely people who are anti-vaccination, this isn't going to change their minds. Whose minds could or does it change? Well, I think it's anybody who doesn't have a really good reason to not a good belief-based reason not to have been vaccinated. So if you have religious objections to this, or if you really believe the vaccine is going to, going to hurt you, uh, then of course the lottery isn't going to make any difference. But there are millions of people, and I know it's hard to believe this, but there are millions of people who have not been vaccinated yet and they don't really have a great reason for it. So people need to have a reason to get something that could save their life. <laughs> absent outside incentives, absent encouragement, positive externalities are not 
going to happen? I mean, look at the flip side. Look at climate change, right? So for Hmm. how many years have we been urging people to do the right thing or countries to do the right thing and made almost no progress on climate change? It's because it's the exact problem in reverse, that climate change is a negative externality. When When I eat a burger, the methane that was generated by the cow to make that burger, that's not my problem. That's someone in Bangladesh's problem or maybe someone mm. in Bangladesh 100 years from now's problem. So if there's one thing economists understand is that in order to get people to do the right thing in the face of an externality, you have to find a way to internalize that externality, to, to have the person either pay the costs who's making the decision in the case of a negative externality or to subsidize them in the case of a positive externality. And the lottery is a great example of a subsidy for doing the right thing. So for the states that are offering this lottery, can you talk about the economic upside for them? Because, you know, when people see lottery, you know, potential vaccine lotteries that are offering a million dollars plus maybe a bunch of other prizes here in Oregon, it's there's like a $10,000 winner per county. Then they say, well, wait a minute, that's my tax dollars. What are you doing with my tax dollars and giving it away like that? What's the economic trade-off? Yeah, well, the the tax dollars, people, people who make that argument haven't looked at the numbers too closely because the numbers that the states are giving away in these lotteries are very, very small. Ohio is giving away a little less than $6 million in, in prizes. And Ohio takes in and spends that much money every 45 minutes of every hour of every day <laughs> that they exist. So the, the payouts on these lotteries will be gigantic in terms of the return as long as uh, they work and get the state's economies back to normal sooner. I mean, if they can even get back to normal one day sooner, the payout will be huge. Hmm. Yeah, let me put that in, into perspective. So the, the federal government deficit increased by about $5.5 billion a day when COVID started. So it's the, the cost to the federal government is $5.5 billion a day. I mean, my view is, look, it's great that the states are doing, the lotteries are doing, but if it were up to me, I would like to see a $15 billion lottery done by the federal government, where we paid out, you know, $15,000 million prizes. In in Jeff's words, if we were able to shorten the epidemic by three days, you you would pay for that $15 billion lottery. And I'm guessing, and it's just a hunch, that if we had a $15 billion lottery, that a lot of people would get vaccinated. And I would even go further. I would actually put everyone in the lottery. You mentioned, Tess, how in Oregon you you only get in the lottery if you're vaccinated. I would actually put everyone's name in the lottery, and I would make the winners public. And of course, if you hadn't had the if you hadn't had the shot, (laughs) but public, right? So now you're now you're feeding on regret, right? So now, not only (laughs) if you don't win your million dollars, you know, are you going to feel awful? if you didn't get the shot, but everyone you went to high school with and everyone you've worked with is going to look and find your name and they say, oh my God, the Rachel, you won a million dollars. What are you going to do with it? And you'll have to write back, oh, I was too lazy to get the shot. So I just think there's a lot of behavioral economics behind it that if you really, the, the key to these lotteries, if they, ha- they have to be attention grabbing. They have to be big enough yeah. and cause the media to go crazy. You know when Mega Millions gets really, really big and there are lines out the door and people who never play the lottery take off from lunch to go to their lunch hour to do it. That's what you want around this vaccine stuff. I think you you want the problem to be that people are furious because everyone's lining up for a vaccine 
and we run out of vaccines. Like that would be the problem that I would like to have, not the one we have now, which is there are a million vaccines about to expire because they can't figure out who they're going to give them to. Well, it's so interesting that you bring up, you know, the idea of a what, $50 billion federal lottery, because when you look at the different state lotteries, and we'll go through a couple of them in a second, but my question has been a little bit about what you just said, which is the attention grabbing. I mean, a million dollars, yeah, that's that's pretty big. But you both argued in the Chicago Tribune that, you know, maybe have a grand prize of $50 million. You can't ignore that. But what do we know about our brains on money that says that that would make a difference? Is it really merely a, a, a fa the factor of like media coverage? Or is there a difference in our minds between our chance at $50 million versus $1 million? Or even why not get ev give everyone a prize? Mm. Like you, you know, you get a jab and you get a hundred bucks. Well, lottery tickets and big prizes are really a chance or an opportunity for any of us to dream about what we would do with that money. I mean, that, that's partly why we buy lottery tickets. Lottery tickets don't make any sense to a rational economist because the expected value of the prize, you know, the probability that you'll win it times the size of the prize is always way less than the cost of the lottery ticket. So according to economic models, nobody should ever buy lottery tickets ever. Um, but yet millions of people buy billions. And they do, I think, in part, because they're a ticket to dreams. You know, they, once you have that ticket in your hand, you can think about, wow, what would I do with that money? I mean, how transformative would it be to my life to have that much money? And in that way, then. And, and the idea is that a million dollars is not going to be quite as transformative. As well, a million, a million's <laughs> pretty good. But 50, 50 <laughs> million is great. And, you know, 40,000, <laughs> which is what Maryland has in their daily drawings, now, nobody's going to turn down 40,000. I would like an extra 40,000, you know, in my in my checking account, 40,000 be great, but it isn't a transformative amount of money for most people. And so most people are not going to drop their toast and run to the vaccination center for a chance of $40,000 mm -hmm. the way they would if it were 50 million or or even a million. But but generally, you know, as Steve pointed out, when when the Powerball starts or the the big state lotteries, when they get to a certain psychological number, it seems to trip these irrational behaviors from people and they, you know, the, the lines at the convenience store start appearing in ways they weren't during the during the typical days of the lottery. Yeah, I agree. 99.9% .9 of what you said, Jeff, except for you used the word irrational. And I think what you described about the dreaming, there's nothing more rational than you're holding that ticket and you get to fantasize about it. Like that's, that's enjoyable. I mean, one of the best one dollars I've ever spent in my life was right after college. I was going on a four hour, five hour car ride with my girlfriend. And it was one of those big Powerball things. And I had never bought a lottery ticket in my entire life. And I thought, I think if I have a lottery ticket in my hand, this is going to be a much less painful car ride. And, and it was because we were able to talk about, oh my God, what would life be like if we won Powerball? <laughs> and it killed like two hours of a five hour ride. That's great. I mean, that's giving people something they care about, and that's what economics is all about. After the break, we'll take a look at some of the specific state lotteries, what's enticing and optimal. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the specific lotteries and maybe some differences among how the states are running them. I, I already mentioned Oregon here. They call it take your shot. 
Ha ha. Mm -hmm. Very clever. Not really. (laughs) Then anyone who's been vaccinated automatically entered. Ohio, of course, the first to announce a lottery. And then my neighbors to the north in Washington state have joints for jabs, (laughs) where if you get the shot in a marijuana dispensary, you can get a free joint. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that they should also offer Cheetos and pizza. (laughs) Any anything out there stand out to you both as either really creative, different, interesting that you maybe hadn't seen before? Well, I really like West Virginia's lottery. I think it's quite clever. In terms of the prizes, they were quite creative in coming up with things that would be interesting to probably a lot of West Virginians. They're offering customized 4 by 4 pickups and shotguns and uh, lifelong hunting licenses for people um, who are oh into that. And, and it, that feels to me like they know their customer and they're, they're thinking that through pretty carefully. But on top right. of that, they also have seven weekly big prizes. I think it's a million dollars each. And then they have a million and a half dollar grand prize at the end of all that. And that just goes back to Steve's point about regret. You know, if I hear that first week that somebody won a lottery and I don't do anything, and then the second week I hear somebody won a lottery and then, oh, it turns out that she lives only two towns away from me, (laughs) or maybe we, uh, you know, maybe we have the same kind of dog. And, you know, you start making connections to people who've won and you start thinking about what have I foregone here by not getting vaccinated. And then you have a chance to act. Whereas California, for instance, they have 10, one and a half million dollar prizes they're going to give away, but they're going to give them all Mm -hmm. away on the same day, which I think is a design mistake. So, you know, you'll hear about that in California. You'll regret that you didn't uh, enter the, the, the lottery, but then you won't have anything you can do about it. It will be over. So, so Kel- this is a new thing, vaccine lottery FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> right? California is interesting on another dimension, though, because they're the only state I'm aware of, which is not a pure lottery. But they're also to the first two million people who get vaccinated after the announcement. Jeff, is it $50? Yeah, it's a $50 gift certificate. So $50 hmm. directly. People. Now, what's different about that is so that they're not taking advantage of the lottery effect of, of how lotteries seem to entice people to to act more aggressively. But the really important piece is all of the lotteries we've talked about, I think for political reasons, are offering prizes to anyone who's been vaccinated, not to the marginal person who is not vaccinated at the time of the announcement, but gets vaccinated in response to the lottery coming into place, Right. Right, because otherwise it's super unfair. Like if you got vaccinated in February and the lottery is announced in May and you're not eligible, well, that's not cool. Well, so it's uh, fair. So look, fairness is a question we can debate. But from a purely economic (laughs) perspective, you don't want to pay. You've already been vaccinated. Why should we pay you to do it? We're trying to incentivize people to change their behavior. You've already shown you're the type that doesn't need to be incentivized. So to the extent that it's politically viable, to focus Mm. all of the COVID dollars on the people who are on the margin, who haven't chose to be vaccinated, but will be vaccinated, that there you can put a lot more resources per person. So just the, the, the generosity of how much will be paid in California to people who go out now and get vaccinated, much larger than implied by any of the lotteries. Now, interestingly, mm. I think there's been no discussion of it. Like people aren't that excited about fifty dollars, 
And that really gets back at the point which mm. we intuitively feel and know from research, which is that lotteries do have this multiplicative ability to influence people's behavior. Yeah, that's a perfect case study. So California huh. is spending $100 million on those gift certificates, $2 million times $50 each, but they're only spending a little more than $15 million on the prize giveaways. And, of course, all the media attention is going to the prize giveaways, and I imagine you know, for a lot of people, those prize giveaways are going to be the difference. So I said at the beginning, you know, that lotteries aren't new. And in fact, I even read that private industry is getting in on this. Uh, United is offering, I guess, a bunch of mileage points in a vaccine lottery, kind of a sweepstakes. But I wonder what lessons state governments might take away if these vaccine lotteries work. Can they look at that and say, well, maybe there are other places where we can influence behavior, maybe with a carrot rather than a stick? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of online discussion about that. In fact, I, I think I saw a, a post from an economist that just threw open the question to people and asked them, what other things should we be trying to nudge people into doing through lotteries? And there were some good ideas in there, some of which we've discussed, like increasing people's uh, retirement savings. You know, I think there are all kinds of public behaviors. You really have to search for those behaviors where um, it's going to create a a benefit outside of yourself, that positive externality that Steve's talking about, mm. for to, to find, I think, those opportunities. And then, of course, I think, like anything else, if you if you overuse a tool, it's going to become less effective. So if, if uh, Illinois had 15 lotteries going on at any given time and one for savings and one to make sure I'm not speeding and one to make sure, you know, keeping my weight in check and all these different things, um, I, I think I, I would start at some point to just not pay attention anymore. Right, right. Tune out. You make an interesting point, Tess, about the United Airlines lottery, which I had completely dismissed. I am, a, in general, a frequent flyer on United. And um, I saw it and I thought it was just a joke. But just prompted by what you just said, I just looked at the fine print. And United Airlines is giving away $5 million yeah. in prizes. Yeah. It's like real money. But yes. it's interesting that at least in my world, that has not penetrated mm -hmm. nearly so much as the state lotteries. Yeah, well, it's something that, at least from what, what I read, it's their attempt to get people back on planes. You know, and you would think that that a lot of industries that were hammered over the last year could use this kind of lottery, sweepstakes, that sort of thing to bring people back and have the reward be, you know, like maybe it's a restaurant and they want vaccinated people to come in and sit inside. So maybe there's a lottery for a free dinner or something like that. Um, it, it just seems like if it would work on a state level, why wouldn't it work in private industry? Yeah, the hard part about that is the business would have to be pretty big to capture enough of that benefit, probably. Uh, there's certainly businesses, and United True. Airlines might be, might easily make that grade because they are so big and offer flights everywhere. But if you end up having to pay for, you know, vaccinations for people who don't end up being customers of yours, then it, then it can be tough to make that payout. But uh, uh, you could see potentially industry associations, maybe every hotel that's part of an association could put some amount of money mm. in the pot and uh, and do their own kind of uh, hotel association lottery. And But uh, it's back to that point of can you get enough attention on it? Uh, can you make it a big enough deal where people will right. stop uh, for a moment in their busy lives and, and consider it? 
and potentially change the path that they were on for the day. But Jeff, I think that's a great point because I think lottery fatigue would would catch on really quickly mm. here. I mean, it really, my hunches when we look at the data, I would not be surprised if the impact in Ohio ends up being bigger than, you know, per dollars end up being bigger than in any other state mm. because Ohio really caught people's attention. And the followers are probably unlikely to tap into the same kind of surprise and excitement that accompanied that Ohio mm. decision. I mean, so the 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 governor of Ohio DeWine, he he wrote an op-ed in the New York Times. Do you think that the 15th state governor doing a lottery is going to have an op-ed published in the New York Times? No, nope. because it will, you know, it won't be nearly so novel. So it, do you think that's possibly one reason, for example, why your state does not have one there in Illinois? Um, what are what are some reasons that you're hearing behind why states are deciding not to do this? Yeah, it could be. I, I think part of why I think there's probably two reasons why we have 12 states who've done it instead of 50 at this point. One is it is a very unusual novel idea. And I think those sometimes take time for people to get comfortable with. Um, so I, I think there's just a, a bit of that. But I but I think maybe more than that, lotteries have a, a grime to them. You know, like there's a lot mm. of critics of lotteries. And, and, and personally, I think a lot of this criticism is valid, that they are a form of regressive taxation, that they raise money, uh, on the backs of people who can probably least afford the money, and that states um, you know, gladly take those those funds into their coffers without really thinking about the social consequences of the lottery. So I, I think you know that criticism of lotteries has been around a long time, and I think it's tainted lotteries. But if people really think carefully about lotteries in this application, where we're not asking somebody to spend any money to be in the lottery, we're just asking right. them to take a little time out of, out of their day to get the jab, um, you know, they, they would come to a very different conclusion about whether or not uh, this is like other lotteries they're used to talking about. Would it affect you if you uh, were perhaps on the fence? I, I don't know if both of you have gotten your jabs yet, but <laughs> if Illinois suddenly had one, would you want to get another one? <laughs> you know, I, if the prize were big enough, it certainly would. Well, I don't know if either of you have ever known a lottery winner before, but you're about to. <laughs> yes. When I win... In Oregon. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you yes, both. Thank, thank you. you Tess. This is great, Tess. The Pie is a production of WBEZ Chicago and the Becker Friedman Institute for Economics at the University of Chicago. This episode was produced by Dana Bialik. We are produced and mixed by Story Mechanics. Our theme and all original music in the series is by Story Mechanics. Our executive producer is Ellen Horn. I'm Eduardo Porter. And I'm Tess Vigland.